Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Good morning. Everybody doing all right? All right, man, I'm excited about today. I'm excited to share this word. And uh, I heard, I have not seen her yet myself. Is Kathy Warren in the room? Kathy Warren right there, just back on refuel. One of our missionaries back from the Far East. Yeah, y'all say hi to Kathy. And, and if you don't know her, just give her a hug. Go, she's a warm, special, beautiful person. And we're, we're thankful for her and the work that she's doing in the Far East. Well, uh, Today is a, a new day. That's profound. Like, whoo, preach it. <laughs> it's a new, it's a new season. It's an opportunity for a new chapter. I mean, just everything's kind of new right at the beginning of the fall. I like that. Kids are going back to school. Just we bless the kids going back to school in the name of Jesus. We're going to do a big commissioning next week. But I uh, just wanted to say, that, like, it, it, things are new. Parents have a new opportunity with, with kids going back to school. Just it, new, 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 new opportunities. And uh, I want us to take advantage of that on this particular message here, just talking about a passion for Jesus. And it's going to be a call for us to receive grace, to receive forgiveness, to receive the love of God. Don't you know that we need that just like pretty much every day? You know, let this morning bring me word of your unfailing love. His mercies, they're new and fresh every single day. And for <clears throat> most of us, we need to align again and again our hearts with the Lord. That's why that, that exhortation from Jesus to repent and remember the first love, it's, it's really important. Like all of us, just like we're going to have ministry in a little bit and I could go, you know, like this and just... Somebody pray for me because I, I want to be changed. I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so we're starting this little three-week series on our motto, a passion for Jesus, a passion for Jesus and his purposes, and a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And that's, the, that's, that's where we're going with this in the next few weeks. So when we say passion, a lot of times passion seems a bit extreme, and uh, because what, what happens when we encounter somebody that's passionate for Jesus, a lot of times what it does is it convicts us of our own complacency. And we're either like, whoa, man, I want to go for it like that. Or I judge them. They are too passionate. They are too whatever, right? Anybody ever, their worship's too demonstrative or they're, they're too loud or they're saying amen too loud or, you know, whatever the thing would be. I was reading a book this past week by a guy named John Tyson. He's a pastor in New York City, and the, burden, the book was called The Burden is Light, Liberating Your Life from the Tyranny of Performance and Success. Yeah, it's, it's a good book. And uh, it, it, uh, just as an aside on that, Jimmy Seibert down in Waco just was up there in New York City and met this guy, and he's planted like 11 churches in the city and all, all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, they sit down at lunch, and John says to Jimmy, he said, I've been waiting 15 years for this meeting to meet you. And, uh, and as it turns out, 
the Antioch church planting manual was all he had when he planted those churches. He said, I've been doing discipleship just like you said to do, planting life groups just like you said to do for these 15 years. <laughs> At our meeting up just a, a week or so ago, Jimmy was like, man, we need to find that manual again. <laughs> we need to re-up ourselves. Sounds like he's doing it better than we are. But uh, one of the things John said was, just in talking about the difference between passion and complacency, he said, binge-watching entire seasons of, of TV shows on Netflix, normal. Spending $4,000 on a trip to Europe, normal. Training hours a week to maintain your looks, ah, normal. Joining a fantasy sports league, here we go, this is getting a little, make this real here, right? Joining a fantasy sports league and tracking it like a Wall Street trader, normal. Devoting your life to loving and serving Jesus, extreme, maybe even unhealthy. I mean, that's kind of how we think about this stuff. And so we want to be a people that are passionate. And it's hard because you feel that tension. We feel the tension because we're distracted too. That's another one I would just throw out there. We're, it's because we've got these little computers in our pockets, phones that just instant access, any question, text messages, emails, all that stuff's being just flooding us. Do you ever feel sometimes like you're just kind of floating around your actual life? And because it's hard for us to be present, to actually be really present with people. I, I heard uh, this past week about uh, an, an artist, in, uh, again, it was in New York City, and she did this art thing where she would have people come and, and just sit in front of her, and she would look at them and be present with them. And a lot of times they'd leave crying. She did 1,700 and something people, and that was the art, was being present with these people. And they just sit there for a little while and be recognized and be present with. It's kind of sad when that's art, you know, but that's, that's, re that's the reality that we live in. Here's what I'm trying to say this morning, the main thing. A passion for Jesus means loving God with all that we are by receiving and returning His love and sharing that love with others. Receiving His love, returning it, and sharing it with others with all that we are. That's a passion for Jesus. Passion for Jesus means devotion. It means love. It means wholeheartedness. It means a relationship of love with a person. Jesus Christ. I love, years ago, I remember hearing a, it was an interview with our, a couple of our missionaries that got arrested and put in jail in, uh, in Afghanistan, Heather Mercer and Dana Curry. And they were being interviewed by James Dobson on a focus on the family. And at one point, James Dobson just stops mid-sentence. One of the girls was talking. He goes, can I just say something? When, when you say Jesus, you say it like you know him. I, I don't know that I've ever heard somebody say the name of Jesus quite like you're saying it. It means passion. It means, yeah, passion means, uh, for Jesus means devotion and love, a definite, real journey of loving and relating and responding to Jesus and the God that he reveals to us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean being the religious police. It doesn't mean trying to get life from being right and being more right than other people. Jesus is our source of life, not our rightness. It doesn't mean religious performance. It doesn't mean expecting everyone to, to, for their passion to look just like my passion. 
And they're calling to look just like mine. Whenever we get called, it's, it's, it's amazing how often we see something, we, God blows us away, and then we think everybody else needs to do our thing. Anybody ever done that? I did that with church planting early on. I, I, I was called to do that. And then I thought, everybody needs to be a church planner. Guess what? Everybody doesn't need to be a church planner. Everybody's not wired like that. It, it's, it's a unique calling. And we could do that with so many other kinds of things. It doesn't mean full-time ministry. In fact, I don't know what percentage of people are in full-time ministry on planet Earth, but let's say it's something less than 1%. Probably fair, right? Well, that means that for everybody to get in on this kingdom thing that God's doing, we got to find other... We're going to talk about that next week. we got to find other ways of engaging besides just doing what I do or doing what somebody on our staff does, Right? So it means loving God. It means loving one another. It means loving those who don't know Jesus. It's our core values. You know, and we want to order life and time and money and, and all of our living around these, these kinds of activities. Loving, loving God. Loving others. Loving those who don't know Him. A passion for Jesus is shorthand for saying so much. The, great, the greatest commandment, love God. Second great commandment, love one another. Great great uh, uh, commission, go out and make disciples and train them in this loving lifestyle of the kingdom. I love the word passion because it communicates so much of that devotion and wholeheartedness. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. This is probably my preeminent place for talking about a passion for Jesus because it's the very last thing that Jesus says in the prayer to the Father before He's arrested and crucified on the cross. Father, verse 24, I want those You've given Me to be with Me where I am and to see My glory. The glory that You've given Me because You loved Me before the creation of the world. Again, there's that connection between love and glory. I want them to see My glory because You loved Me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know You, I know You. And they know that You've sent Me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And some of you that have been around a while, you've heard me tell the story. There was, I I know the date because I've rehearsed it so many times, October 11th, 1993. I read that verse, John 17, 26, in a, I'd read it 50, 100 times, whatever before, and I read it and the light shone and the happened and I had a revelation in my heart that my trajectory for loving Jesus, I hadn't understood like I understood that day, that my trajectory for loving Jesus is the trajectory of the Father's love for Jesus. Not just how much I can love Him, but loving Jesus with the Father's love. That's a passion for Jesus. From all eternity, that just That just rocks my world and blows me away that Jesus comes and reveals God and says, I want you to love me the way my Father loves me. Nobody's going to get to face to face with Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, I made too much out of you. I loved you too much. I was too focused. I was too passionate about... Nobody's ever going to say that. He is... The image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. 
And I mean, what we see on the inside of us under pressure, it's going to come out. And we need a revelation from heaven in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our souls of who Jesus Christ really, really is. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And to say that is to say Jesus is the eternal Son. There's never been a time when He wasn't the Son. Of the eternal Father, there's never a time when the Father wasn't the Father. In the fullness of their shared love and communion and fellowship and intimacy in the Holy Spirit. Does it get any better than that? I Maybe, I'll, I'll keep trying to preach. But... Think about this. I mean, when you think about God like that, what was God doing before creation? That'll correct a lot of stuff in our lives if we just think about that question right there. What was God doing before creation? It gets a lot of bad ideas about God off the table. He wasn't the ruler. There wasn't anything to rule. He's love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Before creation, He's love. And so when we center everything on us, and we've blown it, we've messed up, and we make it about rules, and this is about the rule-keeping God, and, and, and it gets us off into tributaries that it's not even that they're always untrue, it's just, it's just missing out on the bigness, the awesomeness, the love that was shared between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is the trajectory by which and for which God in Jesus Christ brings us into His very presence. We're seated with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's just a great question. I mean, I feel like I'm starting to try to preach. I mean, seeing who Jesus is is huge. He's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. He's the great I am. Just on and on and seeing not just who he is, but what he's done. Redemption and reconciliation and justification and making things right where they were wrong. Forgiving us of our sins. Bringing us into life and purpose. What he's done. What he's doing. Again, he's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. He's transforming. He's healing. He's speaking. He's touching lives. He's bringing an encounter with God into people's lives that's rocking them and changing them. We are expressions of that. Our lives are changed. We've been blown away by the grace of God. Somebody. Somebody. You know, so it's who He is, what He's done, what He's doing. Oh, praise you, Lord Jesus, that you're the same Jesus now as you were then that you've saved us, that you're saving us, and that you will save us. You've redeemed us, you're redeeming us, and you will redeem us. It's good news. And he's what he's going to do, all the stuff he's going to do, that future stuff, he's coming again. He's, He's bringing the new heavens and the new earth. He's raising us from the dead. Just And we, here's a blow away, we get to sit with him on his throne. Revelation 3.15, to him who overcomes, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne. Man, just absolutely incredible. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to this King, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And everything's going to be summed up in Him. Now, those are just some of my words. Everybody needs their own words. Who is Jesus to you? And be able to say something about what he's done, doing, will do, who he is. So that 
when the toothpaste of your life gets squeezed out under pressure. You got something to say about the beauty and the excellence and praiseworthiness of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. He's bringing us into His love and forgiveness, the forgiveness of God, so that we'll have a passion for Jesus to share with the world around us. And I want to just, just uh, really, uh, that's a big part of what I wanted to say, is that introduction. And I just want to do a flyover here in the next few minutes of a few different people in Scripture that you can see passion for Jesus in their lives. So let's look at a few. The first one. Passion for Jesus looks like love, forgiveness, and focus. And uh, to do this, let's look at the sinful woman in Luke 7 and Mary in Luke 10. Some people say this could be Mary. We don't know. Um, But Jesus goes to this Pharisee's house, this guy named Simon, the Pharisee. just want to say... We wouldn't choose that name now. That it's not as cool a name. Imagine, hey, there's Jamie the Pharisee. <laughs> uh, it's awkward. But uh, goes to his house, and he's doing what Pharisees do. He's judging Jesus, judging, judging the woman who's there. The sinful woman comes, and she's breaking open this alabaster jar and pouring this on Jesus' feet. She's crying. She's repenting right there. And, 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 and Simon is judging Jesus. If this man were really a prophet, he would know who this is. And so Jesus says in verse 41, Two men, Simon, uh, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. That just sounds cocky to me. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt, had the bigger debt canceled, I suppose. Jesus said, you have judged correctly. And I just want to say just a word about judgment. Judgment is one thing that hinders the love of God like nothing else. It's the wrong tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's us being on the throne and not giving that place to God who knows how to love in an unsurpassing way like Calvary, every human being on planet earth that's ever lived or ever will live. And we can't make that judgment. We just can't do it in a way that allows uh, God's love to flow through us. Almost always when we do that, uh, what happens? We judge somebody above us or we judge somebody below us. Y'all ever heard of the, uh, the lifeboat game? It's where there's like 15 people on a lifeboat, but it'll only, sur- only eight people can be on it and survive. And so the people, you have to decide which people get thrown off the lifeboat. It's like a sociology kind of experiment. And so it's just a way of, it's a classic example of ranking Who's the most valuable? Who's the most needed? What are your skills? And what do you don't have? And all of that. So that's what's going on here. You've judged correctly. And he turned towards Simon and said, look, you haven't given me anything, but she's just been going for it this whole time. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head. She's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who's been forgiven little loves little. 
Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I mean, who can do that? But God, right? Your sins are forgiven. I forgive you. And uh, again, there's more, there's more judgment in, in, into that scene. But what that leads to is what we see is, is passion. When we experience love and forgiveness, there's a desire for the Lord in our hearts. It's just, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Um, so let's look at Mary. So the sinful woman. Now let's look at Mary. Jesus is at the home of Mary and Martha. And you guys know the story. So uh, let me tell you if you don't. But uh, Jesus comes to visit Mary and Martha. And Martha's in the kitchen. She's preparing the food. And she's upset that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet focused on the Lord. She's receiving teaching from the Lord. She's, uh, there's so much to say about this, this one. But, but uh, you know, tell, tell her to come help me. Martha, Martha, verse 41 of chapter 10 in Luke. The Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So when we're talking about passion for Jesus, we're talking about coming to Him and receiving the forgiveness that He gives, coming with repentance in our hearts, coming with tenderness, coming and offering all that we are, not being embarrassed to come and repent again. Do you need to be aligned with Him again today? Then align your heart with Him. It means coming and saying, Lord, You're more important than all these other distractions. All the distractions that are coming at me, like it's sometimes, maybe it's getting older, I, I don't know, but I think it has something to do with the internet. But just the amount of distractions, it's like I, I forget sometimes what I was even going on to, to do in the first place because I get sidetracked. The distractions. And one thing is needed. Jesus, sitting at His feet, looking to Him, resting in Him, abiding in Him. So that's the first one. Love, forgiveness, and focus. The second one, love, forgiveness, and humility. And this one is Peter. So Peter, Jesus has just he's washed the disciples' feet. He's protested that Jesus was going to wash His feet. But then Jesus does wash His feet, and then Jesus says, you're going to be known as My disciples by the way you love everyone in the world. And the way you love each other as my disciples. John chapter 13 is the passage. And uh, then Jesus, right after that, says, Simon, uh, Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you can't follow, but you will follow later. Why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus tells him, no, you, you won't right now. In fact, you're going to deny me three times. So this is for all of us. All of us who'd say, Lord, I'm in. Or maybe we've said that before. Lord, I'm in. And then somewhere down the line, we blow it. We mess up. Something happens. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oldest people, hands up first. And so what ends up happening is Peter's broken in this whole situation. He's crushed. He goes back. He, he, he leaves the disciples, goes back, he's washing, or he's uh, fishing, goes back to his old life, and then Jesus meets him right there. And in John 21, Jesus restores him, 
reinstates him. And listen to the humility now. Not I'll die for you, but listen to the humility now. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. What we don't get in English in these, in these three different questions is that <clears throat> in the first two, Jesus is saying, Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me with a selfless, giving, willing to die for love that looks like the cross? That's what agape is. Selfless, giving, willing to die for. And Peter, he doesn't say no in the, in the passage, but he does say, Lord, I phileo you. I love you with a brotherly love, but I don't love you with that depth of love. I can't say that. I've been broken out of that because I denied you. That's what's going on in between in, in the text there. And so then Jesus asks again, do you agape me? Peter says, no, Lord, I phileo you. Feed my sheep. And then the third time, Jesus changes. And He says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter says, Lord, you know, I phileo you. That's as, as much as I love, I love you. And I'm, it's been broken off me to say it's, I'm the superstar now. So, and I'm saying that because we need to hear about humans, real humans that follow Jesus. And nobody's perfect. Doesn't mean that we don't keep walking and walk, you know, trying to walk in holiness, but we need grace. We need forgiveness. And there's just something that's healthy. It's actually life-giving to, to meet someone who knows the love and forgiveness of God and expresses it with humility. Yeah, that's a good word, man. I just, amen. That's passion for Jesus. The third one. Passion looks like love and forgiveness and riches. So Paul, anybody know Paul? He uh, persecuted the church. And this is the way he says it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is verse 15. Of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, immortal, invisible, Eternal, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's Paul, the sinner, who's been saved by the grace of Jesus, who's absolutely, radically, passionately in love with him. So the way Paul says it in, in, uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 3 is, I've been given this administration. There's, there's been a, a, di a an economy that's been given to me is the way that, that I would go out and, sh and show the world that Jews and Gentiles, all the nations belong together in one body in Christ. We're going to spend some time in September talking about this. One people of God. Isn't that powerful? And Paul goes on and he says, and now it's been given to me to preach to the nations these unsearchable riches, these boundless riches of Christ. That's what, he's, that's what he sees. And that's what, that's what he unveiled for us. He pulled back the lid so that we could see more of who Jesus really is. So that's our flyover. So what hinders 
this passion from happening in our lives? What are, what are passion hindrances? Well, we already touched on one just a moment ago, judgments. I can't love Jesus passionately while I'm judging people and God and the church and all these different kinds of things. That, that's a huge one because I'm putting myself on the throne. It's hard for me to love Jesus in the way that God's calling me to love Him when I'm judging. Another one is sin and idols. So it's interesting that John finishes his first letter and he says at the very end, he says, dear children, after all this stuff about love God, love God, love God, love God, God is love. Anyone who lives in Him is going to love others, love your brothers, love God, love God, love your brothers. Dear children, whole thing ends, keep yourselves from idols. And what he's saying is, don't put something else in that place of first allegiance that Jesus belongs in. And it's, that's a passion statement. So, so Lord, help us to have passion for you. Passion for Jesus may look like a waste to some people that are in our lives. It may just look like a big waste, like the alabaster jar. That could have been given a year's salary given to the poor. Our lives may look like a waste, but I'll tell you what, what's a waste is giving our lives to idols. It's giving our lives to things that rob, steal, kill, destroy life in us. So Lord, help us in this. What hinders us? But what is it that stirs passion? It's think about everything that stirs passion is everything that stirs a real relationship with other people. Between a husband and wife, time, closeness, intimacy, being together, sharing meals together. You know, all those are things that stir passion. So I would say, you know, again, I say this all the time, but at the beginning of a semester, I may say it again next month, uh, next week as well, but next month too. Um, but spending time with the Lord, having time carved out. Yes, we want to abide in Him all day, but carving out time to spend time with Jesus every day is just, it's huge. Of all the things that we could give our time and attention to, I don't think we're going to regret spending our focus and time and energy on Jesus. When we get to the end of our lives, we won't, you know, is there anything greater than knowing Him and how He wants to relate to the world around us through us. And we, we start this journey with Jesus and, and this passion that we have for Him, the way we say this a lot, is that He is the treasure of our lives. He's the treasure of our lives. He becomes the greatest thing in our lives, the greatest person in our lives. I saw this kind of lived out a few... It's, it's been a number of years ago now, but I had... Um, it was me and one of our church planters that uh, still lives in Denver, uh, a guy named Brian. And uh, um, we, we had a, a, a guy visit. He was a pastor in another city, and he was visiting us in the office. And I just, I was full of the Lord that day. I mean, I just, we were talking about things Jesus had spoken to us that morning in our times with him. And, and, uh, and I just remember at some point in this conversation, this brother just said, I want to, I don't know Jesus like that. I've never heard Jesus speak in my whole life. And, and I felt prompted to just say, can I just tell you a story out of John 3 about Nicodemus and Jesus? And he said, yeah. I mean, he knows the story. But I start telling the story. I feel awkward, but I was really felt prompted to do that. 
the wind blowing in the trees and you got to be born again. And I said, are you okay with me doing this? And he said, yeah, keep going. And as I'm starting to finish that story, he falls down on his knees and starts calling out for God to save him at the top of his lungs. Puts his face on the ground. He's like, God, Jesus, I want you. I want to know you. And it's in the office. I mean, it's, it's kind of a scene. Brian and I, we, jo- we join him down there on the ground. We're looking at each other going, oh my goodness, you know, what is this? What's happening? And then in a minute, he gets up with this beautiful smile on his face and joy says, I know Jesus. And he leaves on his way rejoicing. And I go into the bathroom. I look at the mirror and I was like, Lord, what just happened? What, what was that? And it was like the Lord was saying, I want you to know that not everybody that's just in the, in the perimeter of the church knows me. And not everybody's believing in this gospel of the kingdom that changes lives, that reorders all of life to Jesus. You know, and I've, every now and then I'll share this story, and basically every time I share that story, somebody says, I gave my life to the Lord in a new, fresh way. And I just, I want to encourage all of us, whether we've been walking with Him for years or whether we're ready to start this journey today, to say, God, Jesus, I want you. I want you with all of my heart. I want my greatest allegiance in all of life to be you, Jesus Christ, Lord and King of my life. Y'all stand up. Worship team, come on up. Ministry team. Yeah, so we'll just take a few minutes here, but if you're like that pastor, you go, man, I identify with that. I've been around it, but I want Jesus so badly that I don't, I don't, I don't care anymore what other people think. I want Him. And that actually may be part of taking that step is saying, I don't care what other people think. I want Jesus. And it may be that, you know, just you've been walking with the Lord, but Hearing stories about passion just kind of exposes complacency. And you say, Lord, I want more of you. I I want to press into you. I want my whole life to be calibrated to you. And it may be that you're going, man, I love the Lord. I'm I'm passionate about Jesus, Jesus, but I want even more. I want him to be the the, the first thing in all of life for me. Whatever your need is, any other prayer need, we always do this on Sundays, you guys. But man, let's make this a time where we're saying, yes, Lord, I want you. Father, would you meet us here today in the name of Jesus? I pray over the church, anybody that's coming or needs to respond in any way, Lord, give us the yes in our hearts to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You guys come, get prayer. We'll take a few minutes to do this. Amen. Be bold. Be passionate.